What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the weeping mothers, the lost fathers, and the forsaken children, and let them come quickly. For a voice of crying is heard out of Zion, for we are greatly confused. For death has come into our ghettos to cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York, L.A., Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus saith Yah, and I will return unto you, O my people.
This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all that getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Reggie. The number to reach us to join the conversation is 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263 to get involved in the conversation. The listen-only line. If you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, or any other device, it's 605-562-3140. That's 605-562-3140. And that access code is 958590 and pound. Again, that access code is 9585 nine zero and the pound sign again something new that we added we'll be taking calls from the conference line if you choose to get involved in the conversation and you can do that by pushing star six one and we'll see you uh that you want to be involved and uh, have something to say that's on the conference line and uh if you want to get involved in the conversation just hit just hit star six one on your phone and we'll be able to uh to answer your call we're streaming live at two locations, www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash sign for an awakening. That's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Time for awakening is also on the TuneIn app. <clears throat> on your device, your, your desktop, your iPad, your tablet, even your smartphone, TuneIn is a free app. Uh, you can download it and in the search engine type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can listen to the program live, even in your car. That's a Time for Awakening with the uh, with an uh, icon on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at Time for an Awakening at gmail dot com. That's Time for an Awakening at gmail dot com. Time for Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In the Facebook search engine, just hit Time for an Awakening, and you'll see uh, all of the articles being posted daily by Brother Edge. And before you leave the page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program <clears throat> with a uh, fan page on Facebook. Also, Time for Awakening Media is out there. Always a lot of interesting articles being posted on there, some you don't see on the fan page. Also, podcasts, programs, and other things will be added very shortly. Black products and other things will be added to the site. Time for an Awakening Media. Just put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com, and you'll see everything up there, even podcasts of the program. Tonight, <clears throat> two special guests will be involved in the conversation this evening. In the first hour, we're scheduled to have... Uh, Chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African American Farmers, Ms. Janice Truitt, will be joining us to uh, continue the conversation 
on the challenges that our farmers are still facing even after the uh, the so-called uh, settlement, $5 billion settlement to African-American farmers. We'll talk with Ms. Truett in reference to our farmers. Also in the second half hour, the special guest is you. We'll be in open forum conversation this evening. Uh, things that you want to talk about, anything on your mind, give us a call in the second hour of the program. We'll be in open form. We'll be back after a brief word from our sponsors to get things started this evening. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m., with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get things started this evening, Brother Reg, any announcements or anything out there? No, no announcement. Uh, we're scheduled to have our special guest join us in conversation this evening, uh, Ms. Janice Truitt, uh, chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African-American Farmers. <clears throat> She'll be joining us very shortly. Um, yeah, I guess uh, while we uh, wait for her call, a lot of things going on out there. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about them in the second hour when we're in open forum. There was a huge press conference on uh, uh, Thursday down in Washington, D.C. One million conscious black voters and contributors had the uh, press conference to uh, let the folks know exactly what's going on and exactly uh, what we intend to, uh, to do 
in 2016 and moving forward. We'll talk about that in the second hour of the program, touch on the uh, news conference and things centering around that uh, press conference on Thursday and the movement of one million conscious black voters and contributors. And uh, again, we're waiting on our uh, guest to join us. Let's uh, let's reach out to our special guest, uh, Ms. Janice Truett, Chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African American Farmers. Ms. Truett. Yes, good evening. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you, King Elliot and <laughs> King Richard, uh, King Reggie? How are both of you? Oh, oh well, thank you for the, uh, the title, well. the title that right. you bestowed on me. But <laughs> I don't know whether I'm worthy of that. <laughs> but uh, glad to have you back with us after uh, a little hiatus there. We were uh, dealing with a lot of issues, and I know that you've had your plate full. Uh, Reg has been down there uh, back and forth uh, bringing information, uh, uh, networking with the other farmers down there. And uh, we're glad to have you with us this evening. Well, thank you, thank you. And before we get started, I would just like to say two things. I want to compliment you two kings for the work that you're doing in the community. We used to call that nation building. And uh, you have done that consistently and uh, with vigilance. And I just want to acknowledge the work that you guys are doing and uh, continuously with consistency um, reaching out um, in reference to those concerns that are really sacred to our community. Thank you for those sentiments, uh, Ms. Truett. Um, let's get into the conversation this evening. Um, I'm going to let Brother Reg uh, jump on in here, but I just want to kind of start things off. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Mr. Gary Grant, president of the uh, Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association, on, along with uh, one of the named plaintiffs from the Pickford versus Glickman lawsuit, Mr. Eddie Slaughter, uh, talking about the settlement uh, uh, by the government, the five billion dollars for African American farmers, and how uh, the discrimination and uh, situation centering around that haven't changed, a- basically at all. Uh, but I'm gonna let Reg kind of lead the conversation in on this because uh, he might want to deal with that a little bit later on the conversation. But jump on in, Reg. Sister Janice, uh, good evening. Thank you for calling in, and you know I appreciate you and what. Uh, Brother Ralph are doing in uh, Delaware with the black farmers uh, situation and, and, and the many gains that you guys made since I started coming up and uh, dealing with you guys up there with, you know, letting me know about what's going on and the situations. And I've seen the, uh, I'm, I want to do this differently uh, tonight. So Janet, I want to, I want to do this internal and then we can deal with external forces. Um, you have a group that yourself and your husband had set up in Delaware. And in order for you guys to be able to set it up, you had to put things in writing. You had to organize meeting spaces or meeting places. You had to have objectives that you wanted to accomplish. You had to be able to test the objectives to see whether you met them or not. And I'm going to be honest, I was coming from Philadelphia. I don't go to meetings uh, around the corner for me nowadays if it's not worth something. 
And the thing that stuck out to me is the organization, which you guys were trying to accomplish, and you guys not being scared to talk to the white folks in the USDA and put demands. It ain't 10 or 12 or 15 people. You had a lot of farmers that were in a group, but basically it's only yourself, your husband, and maybe one or two other people. Basically you and Ralph were the ones going and talking to the key people, developing the relationships to get things done. I've been to three meetings where I was in shock. You know, how does Sister Truett have us up in the middle of this white folks board meeting <laughs> and they want us there to hear the concerns? And, and while I want to go internally, what is it that we can do? Because sometimes, you know, you set things up to benefit these older farmers, benefit their children, and benefit, you know, their, 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 their legacy. And they don't get it. I have so many myriad of things, examples that you know. But tell me, what is that like for you trying to go the extra mile, and I've seen the things that you guys have been able to get done to get for these farmers, but for them that still not to be able to get it, to understand you're not going to be able to get anything if you try to go outside the box and do it on a solo or do behind-the-table deals and not staying within the group framework and looking at the, the long-range goal of what you're trying to accomplish. Sorry to be so long-winded. Uh, no, uh uh, King Reggie, uh, let me just say this, is that the um, uh, things that we experience when we try and organize um, from a grassroots level, and I mean that meaning from scratch, whenever we try and organize, there are always um, forces that work against you because that is the, um, the vicissitudes of life that things will come up. One of the things that I think that we haven't sometimes, that we, at least we appear that we haven't got, is the basic dynamic of whenever we try and organize for the good and well-being of a goal or objective. One of the major things that transpire is that um, sometimes we get uh, lost or we get diverted from our straightforward motion because when we collectively come together, it means uh, the exhibition of collectivity, which means power. And so when, oftentimes when people see that, um, they go to kind of pick us off one by one. And that means um, given some kind of uh, privilege, uh, perversity, or an illusion of power, that sometimes we may indulge in. And sometimes it's just uh, giving us some notoriety where um, then we fall uh, prey to our individual egos and not to the collectivity of the well-being of the whole, the good for the whole. So that is always a constant struggle as we try and move forward. And I think that if you just check records, you will see that um, I don't care what organization it is, I don't care if it was the uh, Black Star Line or if it was the uh, uh, SNCC or if it was the NAACP, all of our organizations go through those trials and tribulations, and they go all the way back to the doctrine of 
divide and conquer and keep division to keep ruling. And as long as we fall prey to that um, scenario, then we run the damage or the risk to our collective uh, ideas, uh, thoughts, words, and actions. We, we, we have a, if you will, we run into those um, scenarios. So like any organization, and I'm not sure if it was Booker T. Washington or, or, or George Washington Carver, but they said, um, you know, that there are those in every organization that are the talented 10. Now what makes us talented only is that we are the ones who are willing to do the work because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so when we really understand that, then we just put our shoulder to the wheel and go to work and for for to reap outcomes that will not just benefit us individually, but will benefit um, us collectively. And sometimes we don't know who will be the beneficiaries, but if we just do the work, we know that some kind of way through posterity that we will benefit. So in reference to that, so, and I look at that as, if you will, across the board, a universal scenario. And I don't care if you're in America, or if you're in China, or if you're in Africa, it is always the same dyna human dynamics that come into play um, in reference oh. to overcoming those areas. So, this is true. So, let me add something in that. Let me add something in that. Now, I heard what you just said. And I don't really have any rebuttal or anything, you know, to come back to ask about that particular. But what I want to say is, what is the dynamic or what is the problem? Outside of the things you already said, when the people that are complaining that they're not getting the services, the money, the respect, and this list could go on, it could be a litany of things. And then when they are a part of a group that's organized and they're getting the services, the money, the respect, and whatever else that they're looking for, and the, and the group, within the group, within the scope of the group, there are things, there are metrics, there have been, the, the group has moved up. There's money coming in, there's resources being gained, there's bills or, or legislation that's being moved. What is the what is the problem at that point that our people, I'm not talking about anybody, we're going to deal just internally at first, still are unhappy or still unsettled? Well, um, Reggie, as I was saying, it goes back to um, the individual dynamic uh, in uh, contrast to the collective one. And so you will see this is just a, if you will, a um, what I call just a normal phenomena, phenomena of human behavior. And that is, is that then I want to, me, my, and I, I want to, in essence, um, be gratified from that individual perspective. And sometimes what people will do, <laughs> what people will do is that they will offer um, some kind of individual incentive that then um, other people will start to clamor towards. And um, that's just a human dynamic. We can call it or label it selfishness, greed, or just um, survival of the one or the individual. 
Um, I, I don't uh, want to judge, but I, I am aware of the dynamics. And <laughs> if it you, comes to I play uh, in all scenarios, whether it's in uh, among friends or family or communities or nations, right. it is a dynamic that is um, and, prevalent. And I got two other things, and I, and I know that you're skilled on it based on what you do for, you know, your teaching. And that's what I'm trying to, I want to do this internally, then we're going to deal with the external forces the farmers have to deal with first. Two more other things I want to uh, put in. Now, if you are become part of a group, and I, and I know you're really good at organizing and putting things together, and you come in a group, you're not the leader, okay? You might have skills that the leader has, or, or not, I'm, I'm not going to say the leader, the person who formed the group who had the vision to bring the group together. I'm going to put it that way. So if I come in and I say, well, I don't have any problem with just digging, digging trenches. This is what I'm good at. I don't have any problem. I have skill. I have the same skill sets as the person who formed the group. But when I came in, I said, I don't have any problem digging trenches. Now, three years, four years go down the line. Now, I have a problem with the president or with the leader or with the person formed the group because they formed a group and they're the spokesperson for the group. I, I want you to chime in about that too. Because that, yeah. I'm just, I just uh, want to talk about these group you know, dynamics. To that, um, Reggie, mm -hmm. um, just let me say, um, that's a dynamic that sometimes people get lost in in reference to the interpersonal dynamics of of another or individual. Um, I kind of don't waste my time, if you will, in majoring in the minor. Okay. And the minor is is when you come together for the well-being of the of the good the good of the collective whole, then you are clear that because it's not centered in one's own ego or self, it is about what can you accomplish so that you so that. Um, the collective can benefit. That means all can benefit. And when we um, take any other perspective, then there is always what happens is a downward spiral. Okay. So I don't like to spend my energy or my time on looking at our, if you will, um, ailments or illnesses, but in essence, a uh, plot of course that moves forward. Mm -hmm. um, whether you have to do that um, alone or one or two or three, because I believe it was um, Booker T. Washington, I could be corrected on this, and he said, you know, that the talented tenth, meaning those that are workers, are one, the ones that's going to get things done. And that's why I commend you and uh, Brother Elliot um, on your consistent movement forward, because there's oftentimes you can get disillusioned if you take those things personally. Mm -hmm. um, but however, you keep the mission, the goal, and in, in, in the forefront, and you move and you move things, uh, as my mother used to say, like an inchworm, inch by inch, till you you know accomplish whatever the the goal and objective is. And, so and I have... um, uh, that is just, if you will, a habitual behavior that we have learned. And it is, you know, look out for me, myself, and and not for the collectivity. I understand it, and it's um, 
And a matter of fact, I have peace with that. But however, I don't take my eye off the prize. Uh-huh. And that is always what is the goal, what is the objective, and how will it serve the collectivity of us as a community, as a people, and you know what I mean, and uh, the world over. Uh, in reference to that, so and I, and I have one other, just one other follow up, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna ask, get Elliot involved, and also talk about external forces and your thoughts about what's going on with, you know, with the farming in general, and with the money that's supposed to be uh, garnered by the farmers, which they have not received. Your thoughts and what can be done by our community to help our black farmers. My last question, um, I, I know that you do a lot of joint venturing, reaching outside of your group to get things done. And I see that you're skilled at that. Uh, My question is, I want to put a couple of examples out. Uh, One example is uh, John Lewis. You know what what that man has done in the past. Um, But you sometimes you hear these older men that done heroic or, or great things for the collective at one time. And I don't have any problem with anybody getting old, older, and having changed their thoughts or having a different perspective, but that's all part of growth. What I have a, what I'm having a problem with, and I'm dealing with this even in, in different levels within family. Sometimes older people, they get, I don't want to say, I don't even want, not the word for, forgetful is not the word I want to use. They like to revise history. Um, revise history, look at things different. And I've been losing a lot of respect for some older people that, are, that, that, that I'm close with because they say they're about the group or the collective, but some of their things that they do, even when you try to talk to them in a nice, respectful manner, they're just stuck on the nonsense and the pettiness that you were talking about before. And I'm seeing this becoming real prevalent within groups. Just because you did something 20 years ago doesn't mean that everybody has to revel in that for the next 50 years. I think it's nonsense, especially when you're doing stuff that's damaging us now. I don't care if it's in your family. You know, I sometimes have to talk to my pops like, hey, pops, you know, I was there, too. And I saw what happened. And you you making this thing out to be like, you know, something different. But you talk about young people, but you did the same thing. And I remember it, you know. So just the way how you say it, but I'm just saying after there comes a point of time, I think that with some of our older people, not that you got to sit you behind down somewhere, but sometimes you got to, you know, stop revising things and you got to know like, hey, somebody's over here that cares about you and, and is gingerly telling you like, listen, you know, you're, you're, you are causing more damage and harm than good in some of the things you're saying and doing. And they don't want to uh, adhere to that. Sometimes I think some of these elders, they need to be put uh, by the wayside. It's no disrespect to what they have done for the family collectively. But, you know, I just want to get your take on that uh, and, and your thoughts about that, Sister Janice. Well, um, in reference to that, Reggie, and I don't want to um, be in any way um, con- condemning, but um, when we really look at the cycles of life, we every seven years we change in reference to our physical, mental, and spiritual perspective, and as such, it means that oftentimes as people get older, they lose the 
zealousness, they lose the momentum, or their perspectives change, which is a normal and natural thing. And um, so um, I had a cousin just say to me this weekend, you know, who's turning 73, I said, wow. She says, age is not a, um, it's, it's just a number. It's not a condition. And sometimes, you know, we all can be um, sometimes um, just re- reminiscent of the past or, and and respectfully so, because those people that have gone before us are the shoulders that we rise on. And if we just remember that and maintain, as you were just saying, that respectfulness, it doesn't mean that things don't consequently evolve or change. It just means that it is our duty and responsibility to be respectful of those who have come before us and as such. And also see, you know, the transition and the changes that occurred and need to occur. And we can always do that in an enlightened and a respectful manner. And as long as we do, then um, we um, we bridge the gap between, quote, generations. Because we have generations that are behind us. And every day that I see them um, in classrooms at the university, I see that there are, are gaps even in information that they have learned. I see that there are gaps in their socialization skills, in their social skills. I see that there are gaps. And if we, as the generation before them, don't reach back and kind of help them fill in those blanks, then, you know, we are as, um, quote, guilty or as um, complacent or compliant with that um, um, scenario um, as though we ourselves have committed it. Because if you don't move an obstacle out of a person's way or attempt to and make them aware of it, then we become also part of the problem. So I just think that it is or it is incumbent upon us to um, see that things are evolving and changing and unfolding as they should, and maybe not as rapidly as we want them to, but if we are just respectful and acknowledging of one another's contributions, then we can move forward. Um, and also, um, you're right, people, older people have to see that change is inevitable. And with that, um, as long as we do it in a respectful manner, usually we can take them along and grab the hand of the next generation. Um, I was telling one of my family members just recently, you know, sometimes what we do is we just stay stuck and don't move forward because we hold on and harbor old stuff as opposed to purging ourselves on a daily basis so that we have room for new thoughts, new ideas, new goals, new objectives, and so that we can best uh, serve uh, not only ourselves, but our community, our families, our communities, uh, and our nations. And I, I, I think of myself as a citizen of the world. And when we think of that, then we can, in essence, contribute, 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 serve and serve and serve um, those needs that we see um, that are in front of us. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, 
We'll continue the conversation with Ms. Janice Truitt, chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African-American Farmers. We'll be talking about uh, some of the external issues that are facing our farmers after the break. And you can get involved, too, by dialing 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. We'll be right back. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Everybody over there, get on up. Everybody out right there, get into it. Everybody right there, get involved. Hit me. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, If you believe the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and capacity and will to finance their own racial uplift efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. Welcome back. It's time for an awakening, and uh, we're in conversation this evening with Miss Janice Truitt, chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African American Farmers. 
She's talking about some of the challenges internally and externally still faced by our farmers in 2016 and moving forward. And uh, just in case you missed the show from the program from the beginning, and you can access other programs also by going to timeforanawakening.com. That's Time for Awakening Media. Just uh, put it in your address bar, timeforawakening.com, and you can see podcasts of the programs, other interesting articles, and other things of that nature will be added to the program daily, uh, added to the website daily. Uh, very soon, it'll be products you can purchase uh, from Af- other African-American vendors will be on the site. That's timeforanawakening.com. But let's get right back to our guests and the conversation. Brother Reg, you wanted to talk about some of the external pressures uh, on our farmers. With the, Yeah, with before, the before I do that, I have a Facebook question that I received for one of our Facebook uh, listeners. Um, Sister Truett, it's two questions. And I know we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it with you before, but I know we talked about it with uh, a couple other farmers that have been on our program. But I know you are a world citizen, so I know you're qualified to speak on this subject. Uh, the question is, is there any knowledge of Zimbabwe's uh, attempt to bring African-American far- farmers to Zimbabwe after they took back the farming land from the white farmers? And why did all the African-American farmers turn down all the funds and benefits offered to them by the African government just to help sustain the agro industry in that country? I'm sorry, Reggie. You were fading in and out. Could fading in and out? Repeat okay. the question. Yeah, sure. Can you hear me clear now? Yes, that's better. Okay. All right. Facebook listener asked a question about Zimbabwe. Wanted to know if you have any knowledge of Zimbabwe's attempts to bring African-American farmers to Zimbabwe after they took back the farming land from the white farmers and also why did all the African-American farmers turn down all the funds and benefits offered to them by the African government just to help sustain the agro industry in that country? Well, um, Reggie, to be quite honest, I, I don't uh, think that I am capable or able at this moment to answer that question with specificity. However, um, just my experience in dealing with the um, Association of Zimbabwean Farmers that uh, and this is the truth. This is the case all over Africa, is that there um, are really um, impediments to their receiving um, equipment for agricultural development. Um, I was once asked about supplying um, the association with uh, uh, reapers and hullers, peanut reapers and hullers, and um, some equipment, and there was so much just red tape um, and so much um, obstruction in reference to being able to ship equipment um, to um, Africa. Uh, Kind of similar, if you will, to a technological blackout when you come to agriculture equipment. So I don't know what's currently going on in reference to that. I just know from years ago my experience was that there were, in essence, serious um, impediments uh, that uh, prohibited just the transfer of farm farming equipment and technology, um, and that is, I think, uh, could do, uh, applies throughout um, Africa in general. Uh, because um, let us look just clearly um, when we see water rights being um, 
um, controlled and meaning people won't be able to get water, let alone food. Um, we have some serious, as you said, forces that are precluding just the basic needs for survival of our people. And water is one of them, and, of course, we know food is another. And this is not a oops situation. This is, in essence, um, uh, strategically planned out. And so um, I can only speak in generalities in reference to that um, from my direct experience. As, But, however, um, currently I cannot speak to the specificities of what's transpiring um, uh, in reference to the nation of Zimbabwe or in reference to particulars. I yeah, just know that that is, yes, a general um, disposition that um, uh, the report of uh, 2000 was saying how food will be used as uh, instruments against the world population. And I think if we look at what's happening in Flint and the water situation, we will see that there's correlations not just abroad but right here. And so um, I think those are things that we need to be vigilant about paying attention to because it will mean um, the lives of uh, our children and the lives of the generations that are behind us because those are things that will carry on um, for years to come in reference to the infliction of these uh, toxicities that uh, they are putting in our water and the uh, unavailability of food and the lack of technology to produce food um, in countries where in developing nations where it is most needed. Yes, so we're true. going to the moon and we've got money to spend to go to Mars and we got money for war and, and everything else. But those things that are essential to survival, now they're being privatized and that, that definitely lends itself to having some concerns for the uh, well-being of the of humanity at large. What I did want to add to that question that was being asked by the Facebook listener, uh, we've had people on our program uh, that talked about the embargo in Zimbabwe and Cuba. And I don't know if he's talking, the question that was posed, I don't know if they're talking about now, but I know that no African-American farmers were really going over anywhere because the stuff that they were dealing with domestically were just trying to get the stuff done here. I've, I've had a couple farmers told me that they tried, were willing to go over, but the nonsense they were dealing with over here domestically uh, was their primary concern. Not that they didn't want to help out, because I've had people reach out to me asking, do, they, do I know any uh, farmers that actually want to go out to the Caribbean, help some Caribbean uh farmers out with techniques and strategies and things of that sort. Um, but my question to that listener and to everyone, if, if you're domestic, what are we doing to help our African-American farmers that are in the United States of America? Janice Truett just stated out to everyone listening, just stated to everyone that's listening, the issues that we're having, how food is being used by the government as a tool how what they're doing with the water is used, being used as a tool against us. How the seeds, she didn't talk about this, I'll talk about it. Monsanto and our government are tied in linked where they have a control over the seeds. The seeds only could be utilized at one time, and after that, you cannot use it more than one, one time. 
Well, so, um, let me just interject, Reggie, because um, I think we need to be clear with some things. And one is is that when you use that word government, um, you really, I think, mean the multinational corporations that are dominant and are making these calls about various things. And so, and and then you have your status of government, of course, because when we talk that, we talk money. And I don't want to get into the politics of those things, but they, those are the dynamics that, in essence, control um, <laughs> everything that's going on. So with no more said, I just think that uh, we need to see clearly that um, policies and procedures are really um, – they 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 extend beyond sometimes even our awareness and beyond quote the visible government you know so uh, and I won't address anything else in reference to that okay. I just think that we ought to open our eyes and see that there are uh, multi layers of things that are affecting us um, just as the uh, world pop the world the humanity as a whole and the world population. Um, and I think we just need to be conscious and aware of what's going on. So tell me, talk, tell us about some of the external factors that African-American farmers are facing in Delaware and throughout the United States and things that could be done by black folks to help support and bolster up, bolster uh, the revenue stream and also giving markets to our African-American farmers. Well, you know, I was once told by Ozzie Davis that the only institutions that we really own in America are our churches. And if we just go back to the source of uh, where we congregate and what are those institutions that aided us in tumultuous times, we will actually um, see that the institution that we actually own is our churches. And just think for one second of all of those institutions in every city and across this nation, that if we just galvanize those that we have some kind of say in or control in, then we can make a a great a magnitude, a, a, a momentous movement and, and a magnitude in reference to just a leap forward. Um, and so if we just um, uh, look at what we do have under our auspices, under our control um, as a community, then we can see how can we galvanize that so that it might serve our well-being. You know, um, with the closing of, uh, you know, several hundred Walmart stores, they have left um, communities, and particularly our communities. Um, you know, you have the big, great, big uh, multinationals, the conglomerates that come in, and they run the mom-and-pop businesses out of business. And consequently, as a result, they are, uh, when they leave, they have left what is called a food desert. And these food deserts, and, and I was watching a uh, news telecast on uh, some of the communities in Alabama and Georgia that are now left without a store where people can go and purchase food because we have depended upon other people to feed us. 
and as such, and, and I mean, and I mean that across the board, not just African Americans, but across the board. And when they pull out, um, then it's like, okay, uh, you're a desert. You meaning you are not producing anything. And when we go, that means we leave you in a state of being destitute in reference to just your basic needs for survival. So that is something that needs to be looked at, too, how our communities start to depend on the provision of food, of the essentials of life, um, and, um, and also look into this water scenario where they are going into countries now and purchasing the water rights. And so people now are, uh, uh, and we are in desperate, dire need of water um, because of this trend towards controlling those water sources, and let alone food. And when they look at our urban areas where you know we are predominant, they they are speaking them as the food deserts. Now I think this is where our focus need to be, um, because if we really realize that we don't produce anything, and if the trucks stop running, uh, we really would be in a destitute situation. And so I think there's, you know, and I want to commend you, Brother Reggie, for your just just support that you have given, um, and, and especially at crucial moments in time, because most of your farmers, um, generally speaking, your African-American farmers, most of them are well over 60. And um, so, yeah, I mean, a large percentage, should I say, and I don't know the exact statistic, but all of those that I know generally are well over 60. So you're talking about people now who sometimes they just don't have that um, uh, uh, vitality or kahutspa or energy to um, work the land like they have previously been. And I want to thank you personally for your just personal commitment and how you have not only talked the talk, but have walked the walk in reference to just coming and helping, and especially, you know, when farmers are ill or sick and how you have just been helpful. So I'm just saying that because whatever we decide to do or whatever we have a concern about, if we just say, how can I help you, or is there something I can do, you know, that is that goes beyond money or words. That is just, in essence, providing your own self as a human resource to be supportive. And uh, that's really, I once had a person say to me, um, is we know what our problems are, but we also know what the solution is. And I said, well, what do you deem the solution is? And they said, just that we help each other. Just uh, that Ms. we help each other. Ms. Druitt. So, you know, we don't have, it don't have to be complicated, and we don't have to blame anybody else. All we can say is, how can I contribute? How can I be helpful? How can I? Because we have, I mean, just in Delaware now, we have um, the new produce junction that just opened up here in Dover, and people are in there, they're all like by, in the groves. Why? Because they're looking for, because of the economy, they're looking for cheapness. Uh, cheapness. I mean, how, how cheap can I get what I need? And um, And I can't knock anybody for that. But we as a community, we are eating after church, we're eating before church, and if we just say, can we once a month bring a uh, a farmer in and sell us some fresh produce or some organic produce, my God, we would be able to support ourselves and sustain ourselves. 
which was the teaching of uh, the um, Messiah, Marcus Garvey. If we just really just start to help ourselves, we, oh, wow, that could go far. That would go far. You know? oh, and Tr- so I use the, the churches just as an example of, because it is really one of the only institutions that we own in America. We don't own our own schools collectively, you know what I mean, on a, on a national basis, but we own our churches. And if we could just get, a, you know what I mean, uh, a, a small portion of our churches to do that, oh, wow, we would we would be supporting ourselves because we sure are eating. <laughs> Ms. Truett, uh one question before we move into uh, the next segment of our, our program. The um, When we had the program with uh, Gary Grant on about three weeks ago, uh, some folks communicated with us on Facebook in reference to the farm situation and asked, uh, what can they do? Uh, a couple of the, uh, the listeners that, uh, emailed us said that whenever they see, uh, black people selling produce that they patronize them. Um, I, I think it has to go a little deeper than that because we, we spend a lot of time, uh, uh, thinking about, uh, how to facilitate other things, but I think we need to spend a little more time thinking about how to facilitate to get fresh, good food from our farmers. Uh, one thing that myself and Reg were, were trying to do, and, and, uh, and we're still intending to do it, is to set up uh, CSAs or developing a relationship with a farm, an African-American farmer and farm. Uh, you mentioned the churches. And we did have a relationship with several churches here that would bring the farmers in. But uh, tell the people how easy it is to set up a relationship with a farm and pick two or three staples that black people consume. I'll give an example, and then you can take it from there. Just say I got a church, and I'm not even talking about the mega churches. Just say I got a church of about uh, 100, 200 people, a small church. And... We use a lot of sweet potatoes during the course of the year for pies and just eating sweet potatoes and doing other things, and we use greens. So we can pick two staples as a church, greens and sweet potatoes, and develop a relationship with a farm and have that farm cultivate uh, and grow greens or sweet potatoes and during the summer watermelons to bring to our specific church. I mean, to tell them how easy it is to set up relationship with a farmer and how beneficial it is to that farmer. Well, I think you just very clearly stated it. I don't think we have to complicate the simple. I think where people are willing, where there's a will, there's a way. And um, as you would just, you have just so eloquently said, that um, when people are willing to do something, we're eating greens and sweet potatoes, and string beans all day and all night long. And if we just was willing to, um, in essence, and I, I said this to Brother Reggie, um, if we were just willing to, you know what I mean, say, tell me what do you need? Tell me what can you, um, uh, what is it that you want to provide? Cucumbers, as, as you said, sweet potatoes, um, greens, and you put that order in and say, okay, well, we could use this amount of greens or we could use this, and then allow people to plant based upon 
um, the requested need. We find that, uh, and I have found in, um, with, in speaking with some of the farmers here, is that then we plant stuff and, and then we have to kind of give it away because nobody wants to buy it or, or we don't get that patronage that we think we would off of a particular uh, crop or item. But if people said, okay, in um, the first of um, the, the 15th of March or the 1st of April, okay, I want this, you know, I want 50 pounds of greens and I want, you know what I mean, 100 pounds of sweet potatoes. Then we could plant based upon express need. That's all. Um, you know, we... And, we, and, we and because you're buying... We can just uh, continuously plant things, and then people say, oh, yeah, let me see. Oh, no. Um, but in essence, do that based upon a concrete orders. And um, that's something that <laughs> is a norm in business, and it transpires every day of the week at every grocery store where they have to say, okay, my customer base is asking for this, and so I'm ordering this, and thus um, I, so I can meet the required demand. I mean, that's just elementary. And money has to be exchanged. I, I did it last year, and I told several. I'm, I'm just going to put it straight out there. I'm not going to play around with this. I told several people. I told organizations. I met with people, and they were just listening and not moving. So I got my money together, put it down, went to Delaware several times. I worked my behind off. Sure but did. the fruits of the labor was mm-hmm. I was in, I had food. I didn't have to go to the supermarket to get certain things. And I also was able to share with family or friends. And they got the benefit out of it. So what it is, if you want something planted and if it could be done, you got to put half your money up for the farmer to be able to put there. It has to be, has to be a reciprocal agreement. I think we need to get out of this thing that what we see in the supermarket, that's real life. If you have a group of 10 people, you all eat watermelons, you all eat whatever it is, corn or whatever the case, whatever it is that you want. If the farmer can do it, you pull your money together, you can buy bulk, you're saving. I, I did that. I was able to give a lot of food away. Cucumbers, tomatoes, all types of things, herbs that you guys plant. I was able to give it away. Elliot's on the phone. He's, he's got some off of it. I got several people that are listening to this program tonight that got the benefit out of it. But what you have to do, you got to put some skin in the game. Skin in the game. It has to be, has to be a vice of, has to be vice versa love with this thing. You know? You develop well, the relationship. Uh, because you know what? The only reason why I'm getting hyped is because and, it's been, and you, you're right. You are our a, farmers a, been burnt. Our a, farmers been getting burnt. They've been getting burnt for what years and plenty of years. Because you not only talked that talk, you actually did what you were saying. However, one of the um, things that we actually need to look at and confront is that we will go anywhere. And even if you lay something away, you know you have to put a down payment on it. We will do that with the um, uh, majority community because we understand that they understand that that's just a basic principle or operation of business. But when we deal with each other, we don't think that we often have to do that. And that's where the void is, or that's where, should I say, the breakdown is. Because uh, we think, oh, okay, well, you won't plan anyway, so I can just come and, you know what I mean, if you got something I want, then I will. 
But when we go to, um, uh, you know, a store or Macy's or any other place, we know, or, or J.C. Penney's, we know we're going to have to, if we want something, if we, if we don't have the money for it, we lay it away, and then we go back and get it. And it's no different if it's a farmer saying, well, I'm planting this. Do you want that? How much do you want? But, see, we have, there is a breakdown of, uh, it's, I think it's a breakdown of basic respect and trust um, that we have with one another. Um, farming is, hasn't been my only business. I've been um, in business for a long time. And wherever, whatever the commodity, whatever the basic business, we still have this um, mistrust, a disrespect, and a lack of support for one another. And that's something that uh, oftentimes we need to really address and look at. And really, you can't convince other people or change other people. All you can do is be the example that you are, Brother Rich. And that has, you have been just just exceptional in um, walking the walk that you talk. And I just want to commend you and thank you for that. And you know what? And if more of us would just do that one thing, others will follow our example. Others would tend to follow our example. So, you know what I mean? I always take the responsibility upon myself and to be the the change that we want to see, to be the example that we want to see. And you have definitely been that example. And so I just say that, you know, then we need to, you know, hold hands with somebody else and say, oh, yeah, well, you got a family or, you you know, you belong to this church. How about if we get your church involved? Because, you know, our churches used to be the um, mechanism that we use for change. And now it's just it's, um, become, uh, it's not working to serve our community. It's becoming a hustle game. And I think if we just go back to basics, um, uh, that in essence we can we will see um, some forward movement. Brother Reg, yeah, I'm here. This is Janice. I want to thank you. Um, anybody interested? <laughs> I'm Brother Reg is going to do it again. I'll be coming down to Delaware, putting my shoulder to the wheel once again. Anybody interested, they could contact me via time for the awakening at gmail.com. If you're in that, if you're in Philadelphia or if you're in the DMV area, we can talk and see what uh, we can do. Tell me what you want. Put half the money up. If you want to call me directly, you'll call me at 215-370-3038. 215-370-3038. If you don't deal with me or you don't deal with the Truitts, any black farmer, African-American farmer that's doing good by the community, just give them the play. And instead of just going to the market and buying stuff on the Saturday, these, these farmers, Ellie and I have done that. You know, after a while, that becomes played out. <laughs> they make their money on bringing boxes up, being paid upon delivery. Half the money has already been put up front. Smooth transaction. And then you just ship it out or drop it off to your family or friends or to the church. It's a done transaction. No one wants to stay out eight hours after they've done travel two or three hours and want to uh, uh, set up a retail market all day. That could be, that is nice for events, but that that's not going to be the the real model 
if we really want to do anything. So I just tell anybody, I don't care if you're in California, listen to this program, Georgia, Jersey, New York. If you know an African-American farmer that has a small CSA, they don't have a CSA, why don't you invest some money into the farm for the year and see how that helps out your family, helps out the farmer, and just spread the word. That's that's why I'm real adamant about that. You don't have to do it with us, but do it with another African-American farmer in your area. You go to them and ask them what you can do to help them develop or invest in their farm. And I, and I guarantee you, you're going to get more food than you can handle when it's all said and done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Reggie. Thank you, King Reggie. Thank you, King Elliot, uh, for this opportunity to speak to um, your listening audience. Thank you. We'll reach out to you in the future because uh, I understand from Reggie some exciting things is coming down the pipe, and we want to have you on to talk about them. Okay, okay, I look forward to that. Okay, have a good night. Thank you, Sister Tell Ralph I said hello also. Okay, thank you. Thank the both of you. And I really appreciate your consistency in serving our community and on these airways. Thank you. Have a good evening. All right, you too. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to be in open forum. We're going to recap and talk about the uh, press conference of the one million conscious black voters and contributors, and anything else that you want to talk about. It'd be open forum, but we we want to touch on that. We want to talk about it and uh, get some callers in, especially uh, people that had been there to give their opinion on what had went on. Before we take a break, Reg, I, I want to say something because uh, Ms. Truett mentioned about them opening up a uh, a produce junction down near near where she lives. Well, you uh, shop at all the time, too. Tell, I, I, tell the I, truth. No, I don't. But I just want to mention that a lot of our people, you don't realize that when you patronize African-American farmers, uh, the majority, overwhelming majority of our farmers uh, produce sustainably grown organic fruits and vegetables. So when you purchase from African-American farmers, that's tantamount to you shopping at Whole Foods. The majority of our people don't shop at Whole Foods because they can't afford it. But when you're shopping at uh, uh, produce, especially places like Produce Junction, some of these old cheap markets that they have in the Philadelphia area, and, and we all know the names of these places. When you're shopping at Produce Junction, Produce Junction buys rejected lots, whole lots of rejected produce that are rejected from other supermarkets Produce Junction buys them in bulk and then blows them out, puts them, in, puts them all in these little plastic bags and sells them. Uh, pesticide sprayed, rejected lots of produce. Just in case the, the listening audience don't know that, that's what you're buying. So when people say, oh, I'm saving a buck here at a Produce Junction, develop a relationship with an African-American farmer. That's just like you purchasing your fruits and produce from from Whole Foods. We need to start developing other means to help ourselves develop an economy, help our farmers. It's easy, it's very easy to start researching, finding out where African-American farmers are. Even if you find African-American gardeners, if enough people patronize him, he might be able to purchase land where he can have a farm. But there's enough African-American farmers out there where you can develop a relationship with them, get them to produce uh, greens for 10 months out of the year, broccoli if you eat it, 
uh, 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 sweet potatoes, uh, watermelons during the season, and keep your church or community organization supplied with these things, fresh fruits and vegetables, we can develop a relationship with our farmers. It's, it's easy to do. Email us. We know farmers on the East Coast and other states uh, uh, resident, uh, develop a relationship with farmers in Delaware, but we know southern farmers in other states, and it might be near you. So we can help you try to develop a relationship with some of these farmers and bring fresh fruits and produce to your neck of the woods. Just want to share that with our listening audience. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation, and you can join us too at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. The listen-only line. 605-562-3140. 605-562-3140. That's 605-562-3140. And if you want to join the conversation from that line, just uh, hit the star 61 and you can get involved in the conversation. Uh Let me do something here. Yeah, so uh, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to go into open forum and talk about some of these issues on the table. I think it will be very exciting to hear from uh, one of our listening audience, one of the brethren, one million conscious voters and contributors that was at the uh, press conference. It would be good to hear some of the uh, the action that went on. We see what, what went on in South Carolina yesterday. Uh, they can't keep using these tired excuses about uh, if you don't vote, you don't count. Black folks have been coming out in record numbers ever since this Obama election, and they're still coming out in record numbers in these primaries. So let's talk about some of these things when we come back from a break. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215 215- 215 
215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Everybody over there, get on up. Everybody right there, get into it. Everybody right there, get involved. Hit me. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, If you believe the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and capacity and will to finance their own racial uplift efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. What about politics? Uh, where, where do black people fit into the political spectrum right now? Or should they at all? Well, politics is defined by the geographical and influential spheres of this country is irrelevant to black people and is irrelevant to the masses of people. The vote has been used as a tool of oppression against black people. I mean, Camus raises a very good point when he says, what better way to enslave a man than give him the vote and call him free? It does not profit black people or poor people anything to have the vote and not be able to select the candidates who they want to choose. Now, how can you choose between London Johnson, Nixon, Agnew, Wallace, and Humphrey. There is no choice. Evil is evil. There's nothing in between that. I think the vote can only be used as a tool of organization. We can only use the vote to organize our people. Now, to really believe that we can put someone in office and that these people would be responsive to our needs is naive, politically naive. Because even if one of the black candidates who ran for office were to take the office of president, then black people must be prepared to fight against that person. Why? Because, you see, the system mandates the action of the individual. The individual does not determine how this country will function. This country works off the military-industrial complex, which means that it's profitable to wage war. And unless you, you know, devise another plan, another scheme to sustain, uh, to boost this economy, then it's going to be necessary to wage war, whether, you know, a black individual is in, is in office or a white individual is in office. Well, we're talking about a complete uh, a change in system. Uh, Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And we want to thank our guests in the first half of the program, Miss Janice Truitt. 
chairwoman of Delaware Association of African American Farmers, for being with us. Uh, again, get involved with African American farmers. Mention it at your church. Mention it at your community organization. If you don't know anybody that can help you, then if you are part of our listening audience, drop us an email, communicate with us, and we'll help you as much as we can. We need to start providing food in these communities that's labeled food deserts, and we'll be helping ourselves and helping our farmers and developing a, an economy for our people. We have to start somewhere. Tonight, I mean, uh, we're going back into, uh, we're going into open form, we're transitioning. And if you missed the first half of the program with Miss Truett uh, with us, then you can go to timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. Time for Awakening Media. Go on in, you'll see podcasts of the programs, uh, other articles that's posted all the time. We'll have black products that we use every day. They'll be up on the site soon. That's Time for an Awakening. Dot com. Uh, we had a caller that kind of held over from uh, the first portion of our program, and he's going to kind of kick things off in this uh, open forum segment. 215 area code, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Brother Elliot, how you doing? How are you, sir? Fine. Hi, Brother Reggie. How are you doing? Brother I'm doing pretty good. Uh, brother, I, I actually called by Miss Chose. I wanted to talk to Miss Chose, but for some reason I was having a little trouble on my line. You know, you know how these lines go sometimes, Brother Ellen and Reg. So every time I was waiting for y'all to pick up, it would go like dead on me. And again, it's not y'all fault. It's just the way my lines. I don't have the best telephone lines, but I did want to talk to the sister. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, she answered a lot of the things with her and Reggie had the little back and forth. I got some of my things got answered. What she was, you know, what, what I wanted wanted answered. But I called to talk about that and a variety of things. Uh, before I talk about the, uh, the political situation, uh, the, the, the kind of trash back on what uh, brother. Uh, Reggie and, and Ms. Troy was saying, when Reggie talked about the uh, GMOs and stuff like that, see, Dick Gregory, had, I was elected Dick Gregory did years ago, 30 years ago, 20-something years ago, Dick Gregory was saying about these GMOs was coming out. He predicted this was going to happen. He's just genetically, genetically modified food. And you see clearly what these devils and demons is up to, uh, Elliot and Reggie. Think, think about this. You notice the fight now, and it, again, this is where I blame our so-called or lack thereof of black leadership, because them Negroes sit back on a city, state, and federal level, and they know what these white devils is doing. They sit back and let it happen. It's a push right now to try to stop black folk in particular from having these community gardens that you see. You know, where you see people growing vegetables in their own yard or whatever. Like they, It's a push to try to stop that. And like you pointed out to Ms. Short, Reggie, these devils want to get control of the seeds, so you have to buy seeds from them. And like you told Ms. Stewart, they want to have them genetically modified seeds where you can only plant at one time, and that's it. Whereas before, when it's natural from God's earth and stuff, you can use them seeds over and over again, whether it's watermelon seeds, green beans, asparagus, whatever, you can use them seeds over and over again. But these devils, they want to that way they can control people of color, they can say, y'all niggas don't bow down, hell, we'll starve your ass to death. And that's basically what they're saying, we ain't got the sugar coat, we can be blunt and how it is, this is how insidious these people are. And that's why I said, when you look at Katrina, 
back in 05. Katrina was no accident. Neither is Flint, Michigan. These are deliberate attempts to, to, to let our people know we don't care nothing about y'all Negroes. We will starve you. We will give you, we'll leave, we'll let you hang on dirty rooftops and, and ground. We, we, we'll give you bad water. We'll give you bad food. Like she said, they create food that's in our community. It's no accident that these supermarkets closing all over the communities now. Had one close up here on uh, the path mark up here on uh, Shelton and Wayne not long ago. These, these happened all over the city, especially in our communities and stuff like that. These are these people have some insidious plans and Bob and and you had a white congressman, Elliot and Reggie, about a year or two ago. And the bill still hasn't been voted on yet, but the devil's still debating about it. He put a bill through a congressman, I forgot the devil's name, and he's a Republican congressman where he said he wants herbs and vitamins and stuff, natural remedies and stuff. He wants that ban. He said people should only be allowed to buy stuff approved from the FDA, which is over-the-counter, that poison, these pharmaceutical stuff that these devils give our people, not only our people, but even white folks that kill them. So keep them on medicine for the rest of their life because them devils make a mint doctors in these hospitals and pharmaceutical companies make a mint when they got people on these drugs. Lyrica, artists say foolishness. When they tell you, when they run the commercials, it can lead, the, the, the side effects can be fatal. It could be fatal. It could be uh, uh, diarrhea. It could be whatever. And they're telling you that when they're when they selling it to you. So these people got insidious plan to get rid of our natural seeds on our vegetation, number one, destroy our water supply, number three, make sure if they had it where you won't have natural remedies, you won't better get herbal vitamins and herbal supplements. These people are some insidious people you're dealing with, man. Don't, don't take these people as a joke. The Honorable Lagerman warned us about the, the nature of the white man. Our people laughed at him, but they see clearly that this man is no joke. He's insidious. He, he thinks 24-7 wicked, scamming things to do and stuff like that. But he's so wicked, he don't mind sacrificing some white folks in the process for him for his whole means to be achieved. As long as he destroyed the rise of the black man and stuff around the world, he he wanted to sacrifice some whites along with it, but them Caucasians are so stupid, some of them, they go along with it. This is why you see this big support Elliot and Reggie for Donald Trump, because see, he's appealing to that angry white male. See, them ignorant-ass white boys, he's appealing to that angry white male, and, and, and they think that Donald Trump is the savior to them, just like some of our people so misguided with Hillary. Like you were saying to me the other night, Bill Elliot, Hillary has so many black folks around how you think you're at a Charlie Wilson show now. I, she well, like she spoke at a black church in Alabama this morning. I mean, it, 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 it wouldn't be so tragic. It would be laughable almost. You know what I mean? These people make mockery of our people, man. Well, and these people are willing to go along with the get along. Well, you know, let, let, it's, let, it's just sad, man. Let me say something on that because you, you go I, ahead, mm-hmm. I know that, um, you know, that we always been used to using terms. But I think that now we have to look at this a different fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, we We know the mentality of of uh, uh, people of European descent ever since we've come to this country. We know what they've done to our people and continue to do. Uh, but we have to look at the the uh, the term devil now is a mentality. That's correct. And we see that a lot of our people now has become devilish in their mentality. No question about it. And devilish towards their own. Now, there is a segment of our population that don't know, that don't have the proper information. And I wouldn't necessarily put them in the category of being devilish. Mm-hmm. But you have a segment of our population, whether you want to call them the bourgeoisie or, or selected officials that want to rub shoulders, you got a segment of our population that knows exactly what's going on. That's right. But they feed, they spoon feed our people a bunch of foolishness. They give them pie in the sky, and all they're looking for is their own pie. 
They ain't exactly. looking at somebody else. So they would be in the same category as anybody else, devils. So I'm not necessarily putting that label on Europeans now. They don't hold that crown by themselves. It's others out Brother here. Elliot, don't forget, Brother Elliot, the Honorable Elijah said himself, he says that you have black devils. He said that black devil, and this is a direct quote from the messenger, he said that black devil is, can be four times as worse as the Caucasian one. He said that very, he said that back in the 60s. You know what I mean? So I'm clear on that. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to do. I mean, I only have to use somebody like a Clarence Thomas, but if you want to use somebody, I'll throw him out there since he can't in my mind. Clarence Thomas is a prime example of a black devil. That nigga, though, on that Supreme Court, he was so bad, brother. He's, he, and they was, he's still on there. He was, he's so bad that that devil that just died a week ago, Scalia, he used to argue with him about racial things because Scalia was a cold blooded bigot. I'm telling you what I know. Terrence Thomas used to argue with him about certain things they had to do with race. Because even though Scalia was a bigot, I guess in this little epiphany would hit him, he would say that, you know, race definitely matters in some cases in America. We know it matters all the way around. But, you know, given to him, this is what he said that causes him being a little honest for a minute. Clarence Thomas used to argue with him about that, about it. race has nothing to do with anything. All black people use his race as a crutch. It's not his race is not an issue. I mean, so, so, so Clarence Thomas is, 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 is an example of a black devil, and there's many just like him. I mean, I'm very clear on that, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I know, what, I know what I'm doing with in this country, man. That's why I said, that's why I tell y'all guys all the time, the, the, the Europeans wouldn't be able to get away with half the stuff they get away with on a city, state, and federal level. They didn't have them Negroes right there help them do their people in. They smell it. You got, all everybody has to do is open up their eyes and look at our school system. All across America, man, our schools, you, you, you're a taxpaying citizen. I am. Reggie is. They, 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 we sit back and let these Negroes, they sit back here and, and turn a deaf eye or a deaf ear while our children go to schools with no toilet paper, no no running water. You know, teach, I know teachers personally, they have, have to go buy toilet paper with their own money to the schools that we our tax dollars, don't even have toilet paper. They have outdated books and stuff. Don't have decent computers for the children to be able to do their school lessons on. I mean, them Negroes right there helping these Caucasians do this stuff, man. So we you know, we, we got to be clear on what we're dealing with, brother. I mean, it's... That Stevie wanted to see what's going on, you know. Joe, listen, man, I want to thank you for your contribution. Thank, thanks, thanks, brother. Thank you for the time. Thanks, brother Reg. Let's go to two six seven area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Ah, uh, brother Timothy, brother Elliot. How are you, sir? How are you, sir? Good, brother Reggie. How are you? You know, um, just found out today some very interesting information. I like to see how people going to absorb this. Here it is now. David Duke uh, endorses Donald Trump. He never, he claimed that he didn't know him. He never said he denied the endorsement. I like to see the eyes of people light up. Those people who, yeah, you, you, you had some black supporters of Donald Trump. And that's, that's not a hidden thing. They've been known to be rallies. And black people have appeared and shown with Donald Trump. You have some managers, some uh, messages from Spanish people also who have appeared at some of Donald Trump's uh, um, rallies. But the other thing is, is that now you have these Republicans who are trying to fight for the nod because they don't want Donald Trump to get it. But he's exposing the party throughout and through in. They claim that Donald Trump should denounce or repudiate uh, the uh, endorsement of David Duke. Now, this right here is they're going to beat him in the situation if he doesn't get the nod off, he does. Now, the other side of the situation is now you have these folks 
in the Carolinas, and they endorsed Hillary night and day. And if it wasn't for those folks, she would never won with that big, large margin over Bernie Sanders. Now, 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 here's a woman who I have known to be a millionaire for years, never really had a program for anything dealing with African Americans or, or minorities around the country, because she wants to become president. But what is her record of what she has done in the past for the African American? But yet they're willing to back her throughout and through and without making some type of agreement over what she's going to do in the future for African Americans. Now, how do we look at that situation? Are we, should we hold our people accountable for connecting up with Hillary Clinton? If she comes to us and she gets our vote, the leadership, whether it's local or broad or or whether it's, it's federal, doesn't say uh, Hillary, black people are in a bond on all levels, federal, local, and city. Schools are closing. Gentrification in the neighborhood. They're killing our youth, males and females. Who comes to her, or who do we look to to go to her to talk about our problems? This stuff, this racism is at an all-time high. If you look at the Democrats or the Republicans, it seems as though the madness continues. Hey, Brother Tim, we, we've, yeah. been giving, we've been giving an answer out for the last several months. One million conscious black voters and contributors, that's the answer. We don't need to, we don't need to add, take away, make up anything new. Go to the page. I don't. I don't have any problem with what you're saying. We have an organization that has strategy, has planks. The only thing that went on this week is what went on Thursday down in D.C. The only black group in this country that came out, that organized, has planks, has marching orders of what they want to do, and we're not getting on our knees begging any of these politicians for anything. We're coming to the table with something. They got to sign it. If they want anything from us. And and the thing is, voting is just one strategy. We need to come together cooperatively, pull our resources together, and get busy. I tell anyone listening to this program tonight, go to the One Million Conscious Black Voters Contributors website, sign up. Uh, grand fabulous. I'm talking about I'm so happy. I wasn't able to be out there on Thursday, but when I was at my appointment, I had my earbuds in and I watched it live on Periscope as much as I can and what I couldn't, because the other folks was looking at me, seeing what's going on at my appointment, I listened. So like I've said, we don't need to, we don't, the conversation is good, but let's get busy. The answers are in the planks. We need volunteers. We need people ready to get busy and do something. Well, I don't you care know, anything brother, about. I don't care anything about Hillary, because Hillary's just like Obama, right. just like Clinton, right? Just like every other president. Either you vote for him, or you don't vote for him. But we have solutions in within this organization, and this organization is also working with other groups. They have solutions. We don't need to. We don't. We don't need to make this thing hard. We don't need to make this hard. We need to get busy. She's doing exactly what she's doing because some of our folks is asleep, as you know that, Brother Tim. Right. But not you know, all folks... I, 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 I've been in the midst of a forum with them, and I'm willing to be a part of the program. I've been talking to a few brothers, and I'm willing to go forward to make uh, to help our people to get out of these situations that we're in because it looks like to me it's about the only antidote that's, that's available for our, us to solve our little problems so far. 
I like it. I, I like think it. it's almost like the antidote, brother. You know why right. I'm saying that? If we don't listen, we can't expect a white politician or a black politician to do anything for us unless we put demands on them. And even after we put the demands on them, we still got to do for self outside of that. That's true. And that's what we haven't been doing. We ain't doing, there's some people doing for self. That's nice. I give them credit. I give them accolades. Wonderful. But ain't enough of us doing for self for our children or for our women. That's a fact. Ain't enough of us doing for self. So we have a group here that's showing you if we get one million of our conscious black voters and contributors, voting is just one mechanism. Go to the website page, check it out. There's something on there. Student loans, reparations, police brutality, Good. being locked up unfairly. Good. This 13th Amendment. Great. It's the longer I, I I don't have the list in front of me. There's something that's on this on these planks that the one million country black voter contributors has that is in having an impact on you or someone in your family now. Not 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 yesterday. Right now is having an impact on someone either yourself or someone in your family. Get busy. Sharpton's not putting no planks out there or no agenda for our people. Jesse ain't putting no planks or gender out there for our people. All these other pundits and speaking heads that's supposed to be our so-called black leaders are not putting anything. You know what they're doing right now? They're stirring. They're double-dutching between Bernie and Hillary right now to see where they can land to get paid. That's what's going on right now. We ain't worried about that. We're not worried about that. Stop voting as a Democrat. Stop voting as a Democrat and not getting anything. Stop voting as a Democrat and not getting anything except a pat on the head and a kick in the rump. Right. Okay, okay. I like what you're doing, Red. I like what you're saying, Red. I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. You know, you, you know, you brought up the. Um, before I let you go, Tim, you brought up the, the that South Carolina primary. Now we see yeah. that. Uh, that Clinton lost up there in, I think, Vermont. Uh, And she needed, she needed South Carolina. She she couldn't afford to have taken another loss. So she goes to South Carolina and gets an old man, Jim Clyburn, who Reggie mentioned this earlier in the conversation when we had our other guests on. Some of these older men, and I don't have anything against elders, but some of these older men need to go somewhere and sit down I agree. Because they're doing more harm to our people than good. You had an older man whose handkerchief was showing through his hat when he was telling the people to come out and vote for this woman. You had stars, so-called black movie stars that went down there lobbying support. Now, they probably got paid to do that. And then you had her her being at churches. She was at a Charlie Wilson concert. She probably didn't know who Charlie Wilson was. She's at all these things lobbying for black support. And people right. run out. <clears throat> uh, they outvoted white folks in South Carolina voting for this woman. That's right. Nobody went to her. I'm looking at some of the planks. Nobody went to her with number six plank on the one million conscious black voters and contributors about community right. control of police. Uh, number five, talking about unlawful stop, the recording of movements. 
in South Carolina alone, you've had killings of black folks down there. Right. The man that uh, got out of the car because the uh, 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 the traffic stopped and was running through the park when the guy shot him in his back and then right. threw a taser down on the, on the ground in front of him. The white uh, 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 young boy, a young devil that went into church and killed nine innocent people. It's been stuff going on in South Carolina. None right. of these issues are put to the fore. Uh, right. Number 18 on the, on the 1 Billion Conscious Black Voters and Contributors talks about uh, uh, abolishing the 13th Amendment. Right. Hillary Clinton is for the 13th Amendment. Right. Two of her major lobbyists are head lobbyists for uh, two of the private prison corporations. So you know they want more laws to put black folks in jail. And everyone that's in love with Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is Jewish. Don't don't get nothing twisted up. Right. Jewish folks receive reparations, still receiving reparations. He's against reparations for black folks. Both of them. them I got a problem. Something doesn't seem right. Black I hear folks. you, brother. I hear you. He's Jewish. He ain't you. put it out there. He's Jewish. Yeah, I hear Jewish you, brother. Jewish folks got reparations. Yes, sir. He said that he's against reparations for black folks. It will, it will be divisive. It will cause confusion. Yes. Brothers, brothers, keep your eyes open and, and listen. Keep your eyes open and keep your ears listening. Brothers, I'm like you. I'm staying focused, man. It's a lot going on. You got to be able to see through all the loopholes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know yes. what? Uh, before you go, Tim, you may mention that uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, uh, I think David Duke came out and supported Trump. Now, I didn't see it, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going oh, yeah. on what you just stated. Now, sure. uh, certainly that's not surprising. I think at one of his rallies in Las Vegas or in Nevada, uh, right. it was Klan members out there. Right. I mean, visible clan members with sheets. I know, I know it was clan members with suits on, but it was, right. it was clan members there. So right. we know what's going on with this guy, with all yeah. of them. But I think now it it has really, their slip is showing, so to speak. It's right. really showing how ignorant uh, some of these Europeans are. Because you got yeah. a guy like Donald Trump. They put their stock in Bush. He was so miserable, he had to bow out of the race. He yes, had he the did. most money of any of the candidates. Yes, he did. So now you got Trump, a guy who has given money to both parties. He didn't said it. He give he didn't. I, he might have given more money to the Clintons than he gave to any Republican. But I he's running he as a Republican. Right now, I think the one guy mentioned this other guy Rubio that he got mob ties. That's why he don't want to divulge his tax return. Uh, right. A newsflash. Yeah, listen. This man deal in construction, and he was in the casino business. Right. Everybody knows that the, the mob is in construction all over this exactly. country and, and in the, the casino, casino business. business. So what the hell is he? I mean, what is he giving a revelation? All of these people got mob ties. Our people need to wake oh, up. Yeah. We got to wake up, man. This, this, yeah. uh, the ignorance of our people is in some of our people is incredible. It makes you want to yeah. cry when you see this stuff going on. Our people running yeah. out there smiling. This woman, oh, I'm so happy. I'm telling you, somebody need to get behind some of our people and put a foot right near behind. I'm sorry You're to right, say that, man. but it is true, man. This is this is this. I I, I I I just can't believe it. Sometimes I can't believe it. 
But it's true, though, brother. It's hard to believe, but it's in your face. You can't deny the, the ignorance, man. You can't deny the ignorance that's out there. And it's slowing us. It's slowing progressive people down. It's slowing us progressive people down, man. Brother Tim, I want to it thank is. you for your contribution, man. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Keep up the good work. Peace. You ain't ready. Peace. Reg, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we can continue the conversation, and uh, hopefully we'll get a call from uh, one of our brethren at the uh, One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors to uh, give us an update on what happened at the press conference. I would love to hear it from somebody that was there. We're going to take a brief break. Join the conversation at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. Six three. We'll be right back. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? You realize that nobody's going to save black people but us. If you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. 
Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. time for an awakening.
Welcome back. It's time for an awakening. And I, uh, <laughs> Marvin said, making me want to holler and throw up both my hands. I think the way uh, some of our people is handling this politics and politics in general, it makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands. If you missed any of the program earlier when we had uh, Ms. Janice Truitt on, chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African-American Farmers, you can go to timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. Put it in your address bar. You'll see podcasts of the programs. You'll see other interesting articles. That's timeforanawakening.com. Let's go back to the phone. We're in open form. Join the conversation at 215 253 Six three. That's two one five, two five three seven two six three. Let's go to the phones. Five six one area code. What's your name? Where you calling from? Uh, this is Amafika Gayuka. I'm calling in. Uh, Brother Reg called me and said he wanted me to call and give you brothers an update, a uh, report on how the news conference went uh, last Thursday and what has transpired since then. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm pleased to say. Thank you for asking. All right. Bob, I'm a Fika. I, I just want to put something out there first before you uh, chime in and let everyone know what, what went down. Uh, first, I'd like to give a, a thanks to yourself, Brother Klingman, Brother Andre, Lopez out of the DMV, Sister Aquila, rest of the DMV folks, Brother Donnie, Sister Monica. If I left anyone out, excellent, excellent, excellent job. I was able to watch the beginning on Periscope, I was at a big appointment, had my earbuds in, had white folks looking at me like, what am I doing? <laughs> and I turned it down, and every time it got juicy, I turned the phone around to see who was talking. The one question I have for you, Brother uh, Bob Amafika, at the very end with the question and answer session, and, and this is where I get sometimes a loss of words, but you, you, you straighten it out. It was a brother that got up, and he was uh, just giving his opinion about what we need to do and how we should do it and this and that. And I'm, I'm just like, well, he did he did he just come into this event late? <laughs> and because you know I'm not there, so I'm not able to you know to see everyone. And I just was confused. And I'm glad you laid it out. And I think this is one of the impediments that Black folks have. Sometimes you have what you need to get you over the hump right in front of you but you still don't get it. And, and and I just want you to tell everyone how you handled that portion, letting them know that, you know, the things that a lot of black folks are yearning for or upset about or question is already in these planks. All they have to read it, join, tell us what your expertise is and what you would like to do, and we can make something happen. And I just want you to uh, just elaborate about elaborate on that a little bit, and then you can go back and just tell us about the whole event. Well, yes, that, that's a very good uh, point that you raised, uh, Brother Rez. That, uh, and to answer your question, that brother had been present uh, for the entire time. Uh, so it wasn't as though he had not heard everything that had, uh, had been said by whomever had had something to say. And yet he asked a question which had been addressed and answered several times in the course of the uh, discussions that took place. And I, I, I pointed out to him that one of the things that uh, black people need to learn to do 
is how to recognize what they're asking for when they see it appear. And I use as an illustration, uh, sometimes people uh, can't see the forest for trying to figure out why all those trees are in the way. <laughs> the, 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 the answer is right there. We're, we're, we're giving you answers. We're telling you how we can address these situations. We're telling you what we would do in order to address and even correct some of these uh, things that are being done, you know, to the disadvantage of black people. And somehow or other, whatever is being said goes either over the person's head or in one ear and out the other because they've already got their minds set on wanting to uh, lament something, want to complain, want to cry and bemoan uh, all the, 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 the bad things uh, that are taking place. It sort of like um, reminds me of something that uh, Maulana Karenga wrote in, in uh, Kawaita Theory where he said that black folks have a tendency sometimes to uh, uh, dwell on all the uh, litanies of lost battles. In other words, continue to restate and, 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 and regurgitate and re-complain about all the times that we've gotten our butts kicked and how we continue to get our butts kicked, rather than looking at uh, what we need to do to be victorious. So once I explained to the brother that uh, we had, in fact, addressed those concerns that he was raising or that he was re-raising, he understood and, and shook his head in agreement that yes, indeed, and said that he was going to become one of the million on that day. Excellent, excellent. Um, you had an esteemed panel. Um, Sister Gerald Sanders laid it down, talking about, you know, this, you know, what's happening with the, you know, police brutality, with the Ulea laws. Uh, what's the brother that's in her that, that that was on the platform that's with her also? I, I, I'm not remembering his name. Matthew Fogg, he is yeah, a retired yeah. uh, U.S. Marshal. Uh, it appears from, from everything that I've heard the brother say, and I've had a number of conversations with him uh, on the phone. That, that was the first time that I met him when he was okay. there uh, Thursday, but we had conversed by phone on a number of occasions, and we've exchanged uh, emails, and uh, I would conclude that he is uh, – a righteous brother who was in a situation where he was trying to do the right thing by black people, trying to uh, be sort of like an inside man who would try to uh, disrupt some of the practices that were used to the disadvantage of black folk, and they went after him, went after him big time. And uh, he, he, he turned to, you know, his religion or his faith, and uh, he calls his faith in God, mm -hmm. and feels that that got him through. And so now he is running for Congress in an attempt to be a similar kind of voice in the Congress of the United States that uh, he attempted to be, and in fact was, when he was in the Marshal Service. So he and his organization, or the organization that he belongs to, which is an organization of mostly retired uh, and mostly black people who were formerly involved in law enforcement all across the country and who are standing together and opposing uh, this, this, this rash of uh, police murdering 
uh, in particular young black people, male and female now. They're, they're, they're not discriminating anymore and uh, trying to uh, put a stop to it. So that organization has endorsed the legislation that Sister Gerald uh, has crafted and put forth, and uh, they're going around the country uh, advocating that that legislation, you know, be uh, sponsored by some, especially some of these uh, black elected officials, uh, congressional black caucus people, all of whom are avoiding it like the plague. But yes, that was uh, Matthew Fogg. Yeah, I, I know about, I know, I read the backstory about Matthew Fogg. I'm talking about the other brother that knows you, that he really knew you, younger brother. Oh, brother DJ. Yeah, that's that's brother DJ. Okay, okay. That was brother DJ. Brother DJ he was is, uh, laying it. Brother DJ was laying it down. Yeah, that young DJ brother can lay it down. He yes, can lay it yes. down. Okay. And okay. you know he's a, he's a he's a colleague of brother Hakima who you had yeah, I spoke to had on the program on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, right. I spoke to brother Hakima right. That was brother DJ Jordan. Okay, okay, that's who it was. Okay, I wanted to be sure. Um, I know Reverend uh, Willie Wilson was there also. Yep, Reverend Willie Wilson was there, and uh, he gave a good history lesson. Unfortunately, he didn't really tie uh, his presence uh, and what he was talking about to the one million, as you noticed that Gerald did so beautifully, as well as the uh, sister in Ketchy uh, Taifa, the attorney who okay. was representing the reparations uh, plank. Yeah, I was uh, mad. I was, I was upset at y'all that y'all didn't give my sister a little, uh, a little step stool or something so we could see a little more, you know. But, uh, yeah, well, she she tied it together very well, uh, yeah. also as did the brother, uh, Muslim brother who was there representing uh, brother uh, Louis Ali and the Hot Black Coffee Party uh, think tanks. He also tied it together uh, okay. with what uh, we're doing with the one million. Well, let the listener audience know uh, we talked about it uh, two shows prior, two shows in a row prior to you um, having the, uh, the press conference on Thursday. Um, what was the reason why you went? You did the press conference at the location you did. What were you seeking as the outcome of the press conference? And where are you guys going? Or where's the where's this movement going? Good questions. All uh, the I have to admit that we sort of lucked up on the uh, venue, uh, which was the African American. Uh, Civil War Memorial and Museum. I never even knew there was any such place in D.C. We had initially intended to have that news conference at the National Press Club uh, in Washington, D.C., where all of the important uh, press, national press conferences tend to take place, but the cost uh, of uh, put it, doing it there was prohibitive. As you know, we don't, we don't have uh, money. We have to hustle money from our members anytime we want to do anything. So we had to look around for some alternative sites. And one of the sites that was suggested by uh, our folks on the ground there, in particular Brother Andre uh, Lopez, who did a, a, a terrific job for us, along with his support team, was this particular place. And he suggested that maybe we want to uh, prioritize that place because of the consistency with the theme which happens to be that we're uh, playing a chess game of sorts here, brothers, with these uh, radical right-wing conservative uh, uh, racists. And I hope everybody in your audience knows that the uh, term conservative is the 21st century term 
for what used to be racist. I mean, there's no difference between conservatives and the old-style racists. Uh, they try to hide behind that as somewhat of a legitimate kind of uh, thing, but they're all uh, the same closet racists or not so closet as the case may be. These people, even as we're having this conversation, are trying to lay the foundation to put the T-word label on black folk, the terrorist word, uh, especially the domestic terrorist word. Uh, they did the same thing to us back during the 1960s, with labeling us as uh, black militants and communist uh, uh, influenced and all kind of things to try to make it seem as though we were uh, anti-American or trying to destroy the country so that they could justify uh, coming down on black folks with all four feet. Uh, and they uh, call us different things at different points in time. It's pretty much the same way that they do with people in foreign countries when they want Americans to turn against them. So we knew where they were coming from with that thing. So what we did was, well, we went and one better. We made a chess move on them. And instead of waiting for them to succeed in caricaturing us as a bunch of uh, anti-American uh, subversives who are trying to destroy the country who may in fact be trying to collude with some of the nation's enemies, et cetera, so that they could come crushing down on black folk, uh, we appropriated the term for ourselves as of being black constitutional patriots. And one of the things we discovered, brothers, uh, Eddie, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, one of the things we discovered to our surprise, frankly, when we were at the uh, uh, Civil War Memorial and Museum was that though that very thing was prominent throughout that facility. Our ancestors who fought valiantly to uh, get our people out from under the heel of these white folks uh, and these traitors and, and, and folks of that nature really uh, pushed that theme. And Jim has done an excellent job of pointing out, for example, the uh, shoulders on which we stand who took a similar position, starting with uh, David Walker and his appeal and Frederick Douglass and his Fourth uh, of July uh, speech and Dr. Martin Luther King when he talked about us having been issued a blank check uh, and he wants America to live up to its creed and to practice what it preaches, uh, especially in the Constitution. So what we have done is to dissect that Constitution. We've read it from front to back, upside down, inside, out, over, under, around, and through, and we have come to the position that there are things in that Constitution that we as conscious black people need to appropriate and lay claim to and in the process maintain that we are in fact the most, shall we say, patriotic people in this country, at least when it comes to those things in the United States Constitution that were intended to protect citizens from the vagaries and vicissitudes of their own government. So no one else is taking a position in uh, defense of and support of the Bill of Rights, for example, or the several uh, other amendments uh, that are uh, and articles that are in the Constitution, all of which address themselves to this thing that they refer to as the unique idea uh, represented by or in the United States Constitution, which specifically is supposed to be 
that uh, these inalienable rights, as they have been referred to, are granted by our creator, not by a nation, not by men, not by a constitution, in fact. The constitution only affirms that uh, human rights, inalienable rights, are conferred upon human beings by their creator. And we say that's worth arguing for, that's worth being patriotic too. We're also taking a position, a very strong position, that any state in the Union that has passed laws that directly contradict what the supreme law of the land, which is what they say the Constitution is, that all of those states we should have and prosecute a class action lawsuit requiring them to dispense with those laws because it's those state laws which allow the police to violate the constitutional rights of citizens, and most particularly in our situation, of course, black people, you know, black citizens who get abused and murdered and maimed by these people all the time. But the fact of the matter is the U.S. Constitution, which is supposedly the supreme law of the land, has very precise language that says no state can pass a law that directly contradicts what is stated in the Constitution. That's why you have this rather strange situation where police can be found, uh, not necessarily found innocent, but not indicted for crimes that they commit against black people, but the same black people or their families can go and get a uh, civil suit and win multiple millions of dollars because in the process of the police killing or murdering the individual, they have in fact violated that individual's constitutional right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness among others. So we're claiming to be, going forward, the black constitutional patriots. Now, you let somebody try to call us traitors, and we've already claimed to be the black constitutional patriots, the people who are most patriotic and emphatic about it, uh, those things in the uh, United States Constitution that inure to the benefit of citizens, and in our case, particularly black citizens. <laughs> oh, Brother Amafiga, listen, uh, let, let, me, let me throw something in here, and I want your opinion on it, because we've, we've talked about this when Open Forum started. Um, I know our whole mission is to offer this clean glass to our folks, put the yes. clean glass in front of them so they can consume something that's beneficial to them. But it still makes me frown, my face frown when I see people drinking dirty water. <laughs> what, 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 what is your feelings on what happened in South Carolina and what potentially, I don't want to, I'm not going to count chickens yet, but what potentially might happen on Tuesday when the black belt is in play? Good question, uh, Brother Elliot. And, of course, I know it's a rhetorical question because I know you already know the answer. Mm-hmm. But uh, since you've given me an opportunity to uh, address it, I'll certainly take advantage of that. What happened was what was to be expected. And it happened, quite frankly, in the absence of our movement, the one uh, million conscious black voters and contributors having, uh, having assumed a preeminent or, or at least a high visibility uh, position in this country, which is, in fact, in response to uh, uh, what Brother Reggie asked earlier, what was the reason, one of the main reasons that we uh, held the news conference. 
we have got to put our name and our positions out there uh, in the public uh, uh, conversation. Right now, what is happening, of course, is the uh, Black Lives Matter people are being promoted as the new vanguard of the civil rights movement. And the old guard civil rights people are uh, appropriately being pushed to the side and to the back of the bus, so to speak, where they, and they should be under the bus, quite frankly. But the people who are pushing and financing the uh, Black Lives Matter people are, in fact, some of the same people that used to finance the old guard mm -hmm. uh, black democratic establishment. And they're just getting themselves some new Negroes, as uh, Richard Pryor would refer to it, younger, more articulate people, and people who are malleable because their inclination is to get paid. So if someone's willing to pay them and pay them well and allow them to uh, have prominent positions and be in the news, uh, that's a good uh, situation for them as far as they're concerned. But nobody is out there uh, who is standing up and being counted for black people, irrespective of whatever happens with everybody else. And a lot of those things that go on and that went on last Tuesday, for example, we simply didn't have a dog in that fight. Uh, black folks went down the primrose path uh, with uh, uh, Hillary Clinton the same way they did, uh, similar, I should say, not the same way, but similar to the way that they did with uh, uh, Barack Obama. And they're going to get about as much from Hillary Clinton should she end up uh, with the nomination uh, and the presidency as they got from uh, Barack Obama. So the answer to all of that, brothers, is for the one million conscious black voters and contributors to elbow our way to the front uh, of the crowd and to get above the crowd so that everyone in this country, black, white, and anything in between, knows that there is a new sheriff in town, that there is, that the cavalry has arrived, that black folk finally have a champion who are unequivocally and unapologetically advocating the uplift and advancement of black people, irrespective of who doesn't like it. And once we plant our position and plant our flag on Iwo Jima of America, and we're the ones who people, have, people are not able to ignore, at least, they have to then ask us our opinion. And when people, especially the rank and file of black people, begin to hear this alternative message that only we, and you brothers exemplify this every Sunday night, are saying no one else in America, black, white, or otherwise, is taking the kinds of positions in support of black people against all enemies and opponents that the one million conscious black voters and contributors is taking. And all we need to do is get a higher profile position so that more people are able to bear witness to what we have to say and what it is that we're doing, because we're not just talking, we're doing. Then you're going to see that groundswell of people coming to us and joining us. And as I pointed out at the news conference, just imagine, brothers, what would happen if suddenly all of the voting registrar's offices across the country were to have to report that something strange is going on. For some reason, black people are pouring into the voter registrar's office and changing their registration from Democrat, which was what most of us are registered as, but also from Republican and any other non-black party. And since we don't have 
an independent black political party. That would be all other parties. That for some reason, black people are pouring into these voter registrar's offices and changing their registration to no party affiliation, to unaffiliated, or whatever is the equivalent of that in a particular jurisdiction. That will start a snowball effect that will rock this country politically and economically to its core. Bob Amafika, yes. I, I want to say thank you once again to, to do everyone's efforts in the one million conscious black voters contributors. And what I want to ask you, there's still a lot of naysayers out there when it comes to this voting process. We, everyone on this line right now understands why. What would you say to someone that does not want to be involved with the voting process? What else could they do to be a contributor to this movement at this point in time? Well, our response to that, Brother Reggie, is very, really very simple. Uh, uh, as Jim and I both continually point out, uh, the One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors movement is a whosoever will let them come movement. We are not seeking, as you brothers know, to try to convert anybody to our way of thinking or to the way that we feel uh, is the best way for black folks to gain the upper hand and get on high ground in this country. Anyone who feels that there's a better way to do it, they're free, of course, to uh, do it their better way. Uh, we simply believe we, that, that the way that we have analyzed and assessed this situation has the best potential for black people to win. And that's what we want to do is, in fact, not just want, that's what we are determined to do is to win. Now, there's some people that say, uh, like the brother X who calls into your program from Chicago quite a, a bit of time, that we ought to get up out of here. Well, where is brother X going to take black folks? Let's say if you can get black folks to go with him someplace, where is he going to take them? Where are you going to go in the world that anybody wants to be bothered with black folk? If you want to know the truth, we can't even up and go to any place in Africa where they would want us to come over there unless we can bring a bunch of money with us. So the fact of the matter is, as Booker T. Washington said, cast your buckets down where you are. And in biblical terms, Brother Ellie would like this one, the ground on which you stand is holy ground. We've got to make our stand right here because even if the three of us on this call right now felt that we ought to up and out of here and go someplace else, we both, all three of us know that the vast majority of black people, 99 and 4,100% of them, ain't going nowhere. So that would be speaking out of school, blowing hot air into the wind. And don't, and don't have the means, and don't have the means, and don't have the means to go out Thank of this you. country. Thank you. Also, we can't even go, we uh, don't have the means to go across. I, I want you. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me add this, let me add this question to, uh, into the conversation. So, you laid out the position of the one million conscious black voters contributors in reference to this is not something that we're trying to compel anybody. Come to the page, you come to the website, check the information, read the articles, check the planks out. If something moves you, there's a $20 membership fee, annual membership fee. You get a 
One Million Conscious Black Voter Contributors t-shirt to wear, free advertising, let people know about the movement. You choose and decide where your skill set can enhance the movement and you get involved. But on the flip side, with the people who are on the fringes, can you let them know about the relationship between politics and economics? Absolutely. Everybody has heard the phrase, though they may not have taken the time to understand what it meant, that money is the mother's milk of politics. There are essentially three uh, functions that people engage in in the partisan electoral process in this country, three. And of those three, black people participate in the least important one of the three. The most important function politically in this country is money. That's why you see the candidates always fighting hard to raise money to finance their campaigns. And then they use that money for several purposes. Number one, they use it to purchase uh, powerful advertising and marketing and promotional means. And most of it goes into television because that's the most effective, at least they believe that's the most effective way to promote and advertise and build one's name recognition uh, for political purposes. Of course, they also spend money on other means, uh, newspaper ads still, they'll spend money on the internet, they'll spend money on palm signs, uh, yard signs, uh, you name it. But mainly it goes into television and, uh, to a lesser extent, radio. That's the most important function uh, in uh, America's uh, form of uh, partisan electoral politics. The second most important way that people participate in the partisan electoral process is by uh, serving as campaign workers. Now, the best and uh, most proficient and expert people uh, about politics actually can get paid. They can get paid as consultants, as uh, uh, different uh, functionaries on a uh, person's campaign team. If they're good enough at what they do, they can actually be hired to work on a campaign. But they have a whole lot of volunteers that work on different campaigns uh, in different parts of the country. And without campaign workers, you don't have a ground game. And you heard people talking about the ground game with respect to these uh, caucuses and these um, primaries that have been going on across the country or in certain parts of the country recently. So those are the two uh, most important ways that people participate in the partisan electoral process. The third and least important way is to vote. But the first two are the two that determine how people vote and who people vote for, because you've been basically led to uh, where the people want you to go by their advertising and by the work uh, of the people on the ground, you know, who the, the ground game, as they call it. So black folks don't get involved in the process typically until it's time to go into the polls and vote. And then we have been led, uh, you know, or misled, I, I, I prefer to say, as to how we should vote when we go in. Usually we are a captive audience uh, to do as the Democrats uh, would want us to do, as evidenced by the fact of how those uh, misguided people in South Carolina gave uh, overwhelming support to uh, 
someone who despises black people and who has done more harm to black people, as uh, you brothers have, have shared with people on Time for an Awakening a number of weeks that I've listened to you talk about it. So that's the relationship. Money is the mother's milk. Money calls the shots with respect to politics and uh, what money is backed up by campaign workers. One of the things that we have designed into the One Million Conscious Black Voters is that we're not only going to have, uh, if we have our way, and if black folks respond the way they should and the way we want them to, we'll have our million or more. And once we have our million or more, of course, that million will influence other people because people are influenced by success. And once we have accomplished success and proven that we can do what nobody has seen fit to believe that is possible for black folk to do, we're going to influence people beyond the numbers of people who actually see fit to join uh, with the one million outright. So we will be able to, among other things then, uh, provide uh, campaign workers for the candidates of our choice, the candidates who have agreed to back either the largest number of the planks in our platform that would be a quantitative support or they've agreed to support the most important uh, planks in our platform, which would be a qualitative way of judging what they're willing to do. But in either event, they would have to agree in writing. We're not going to take anybody's word for it. These people lie out of all sides of their mouth. So we've got to have them write it down and, 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 and attest to the fact that they're going to do this, that, or the other uh, if, in fact, they uh, want to get our support. And then in the final analysis, of course, we're also going to be able to say to these campaigns that in addition to uh, providing an eventual one million and plus votes to the candidate of our choosing, we can also provide some campaign workers, especially to help down that stretch, because you're going to need people out there in the street doing things to make things happen. And the thing that black folks that's something black folks seldom do, is provide any campaign workers. The, black, the thing that black folks almost never do is put any money into any campaigns. Because, again, we limit our participation for the most part to voting, and that's the last thing, that, that's the ass end of things, you might say. So we can then go to the same candidate that we uh, have gotten to sign on the dotted line and say, in addition to our votes and our campaign workers, we can also prime your pump with some money into your campaign. And we can call on our one million, just to give an example, and say we want each of you to send in $10 that we're going to contribute to this particular candidate's campaign. That's $10 million. When have you ever heard of black folk being able to do something like that? And keep in mind that the $10 that I use as an illustration is just an illustration. It's arbitrary. If we asked our members for $15 a piece or $25 a piece or $50 a piece, it still would be painless to the caliber of people that we're seeking to become a part of this $1 million. So we're going to be dealing with people from a position of strength, not from the traditional and typical position of abject weakness. Bob M. Fika, my, my, I have two, three follow-up questions. First, Follow-up question is, if a potential candidate signs on the dotted line to the planks 
or to the request of the one million conscious black voters and contributors. Is that a binding agreement? How can we hold them accountable if they if they uh, choose not to abide by what was in uh, in writing? If you ever watch any of the uh, daytime uh, judge shows like I do, Judge Mathis and uh, uh, Divorce Court and uh, People's Court and even Judge Judy on occasion, see her embarrass people. You notice they always say that people should get uh, things signed, get a contract signed. And they say even if the contract that you sign is something that the two, the two parties write on a napkin in a restaurant, but if both of them have attested to it, that's a contract. Once you have a contract, you can take a person to court and sue uh, for them to uh, fulfill the terms of that contract. So that's why we know how this game is played. And one thing that black folks have never done is demand anything in writing from any of these folks. So, again, when we say that sort of thing, Folks are talking about how do we hold folks accountable because they're assuming that we're going to deal with crackers the way uh, the traditional or, or the usual suspects have always dealt with them from a standpoint of just being told, you know, by the white folks what they're going to do, and they sh- shake their heads and the affirmative say, yes, a boss. And they go away, and then they'll go back after they've been disappointed and jerked around, uh, hat in hand and doing a step and fetch it thing and want to know why you, you know, boss, why you treat us so badly. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, we know how the system works. And if, if, if these people, you know, sign something with us, you can bet your boots we're going to end up uh, taking them uh, to the wall on it. All right. I, I'm, oh, hold on for a minute. I'll let mm. two, two more things real quick. Uh, I'm pressing tonight, uh, Bob Amafika, because I want the people that are listening to know, even though that. I agree with all the sentiments that you're stating. I'm part of the group. This is all about transparency, asking the tough questions, which I know that you're qualified to answer uh, answer and to deal with, but also to let people know, I just want them to think, just to think. You, You might not agree, I want you to think. My next question to you is that Reverend Al Sharpton, he went, To the White House with our current president, President Obama. I don't know the whole contingent of his whole contingent of people that he had with him, but it was supposed to lay out requests and things that our community needed. I don't know what those things were, still don't know to this day. What's going to make the one million conscious black voters contributors different in knowing? that whoever this candidate or candidates are going to be, whether it's local or national, national, how are we, the members and people that aren't even members that are in the fringes to see what's going on, how the, is that, what's the transparency level going to be as far as knowing what has been re- requested in writing of this candidate? Well, first of all, uh, Brother Reggie, the only people that we feel any obligation to exercise transparency transparency for and with uh, people who become actively involved with the one million conscious black voters and contributors. And as you brothers know, there's all kinds of transparency, transparency amongst those of us who are involved in this movement, because we have to be. We don't have any choice. We're not paying anybody to do anything because we don't got any money. So in order, no one is going to work with us and give up their time and effort 
unless there is transparency. And, of course, the level or degree of transparency that a person requires varies with the individual, usually in, uh, from a standpoint uh, with respect to how much of an effort that individual is willing to invest. In other words, the more of an effort an individual is willing to invest or contribute to the cause, the greater the transparency and the knowledge and awareness of what's going on that person will demand. A person who is only going to give a little is not going to be expecting to be told much because he knows he's not entitled to it or doesn't deserve it. So it'll, it'll, it's up to the individual to demand, uh, to position himself or herself to be able to demand additional transparency. And so everyone who sees fit to become a part of the one million will automatically be entitled to that transparency, and we have no trouble sharing it with folks because we need to do that. That's the way we pay people. We pay people with, with transparency uh, as opposed to money. And now that will change when we get our $1 million because we will begin to create uh, uh, employment opportunities for people to actually work full-time, you know, for this movement. So that's the way we handle that, that whole transparency thing. But keeping in mind, we don't owe transparency to the general public. We owe transparency to those people that are helping us move this agenda. Reg? Yeah, Ellie, you good? Oh, you know what? I, I, I just want to say this before we wind things up, Brother Because okay. you were talking about, <clears throat> and Reg uh, mentioned about how do we get these politicians to acquiesce to our demands and you mentioned about signing a pledge now for our listening audience that members of our listening audience that think that might sound a little strange Cynthia McKinney was on our program and talked about when she was in Congress how every black member of the caucus black caucus signed a pledge that they would support things that were pertinent to Israel. Absolutely. And when they found out that she didn't sign her pledge, they did everything to get her out of office, ran a candidate against her, in which they succeeded. But she may mention on the program, now, these black elected officials don't come back and tell their constituents, which are black people, that they didn't sign a pledge to somebody else. Cynthia McKinney let our listening audience know that every black member of that caucus have signed a pledge to Israel. So I just wanted to let the listening audience know when you're talking about getting these people to sign a pledge, that ain't nothing that they're not used to doing or nothing that ain't foreign. It might be foreign to our people because we don't know how to play this so-called political game. But I just wanted to throw that out there in reference to what you had said. That's a very important point to make. I concur. And my final question for you, Baba Amafika, is with the model that the, the uh, of this movement, the one million conscious black voters and contributors, this is a movement. A movement goes on. It doesn't stop. <laughs> it takes on different lives, but this, this is a definitely a movement of, of grand proportions of what we have to undertake. And, and, you know, we're like a body and we've been trying to plug up different spots in the body we're still bleeding out and we need an anodyne something is going to take care something's going to remedy the bleeding getting scabs scabs being rubbed off by white folks every day 
Scab starts to heal back. We think we all right. Scab heal back. Bleeding out. Infectious diseases. Limbs cut off and everything. This is black. We're just looking at the black condition. And what I want to ask you, when we talk about the one million, that's a lofty goal, brother. It's big. It's humongous. What if we just got 300,000 people or 100,000 people that just gave $25 to do to start a black business, a cooperative of some sort. Wouldn't that be, you know, wouldn't that be a tremendous effort? And this, and this time that we're dealing with, we just had Janice Short from um, from Delaware, a farmer. I'm acquainted with her and her husband and family. It took me over a year and a half to to develop this relationship. And what this movement is doing is trying to develop relationship. But the thing about it is. The people that want to come in, they they don't have a lot to do, but other than figure out where their skill set is, get involved, give the yearly donation membership fee, and get involved. Everything is ready, written down the plex. All the hard work is done. The organization. All you have to do is, in your state or your your wherever you're located, get on the conference calls, get in, you know, get involved. With the meetings, participate. What you say you're going to do, do it. If you can't do it, let somebody know you can do it. It's, you know, this is what it's about for us. And I want to say, you know, I just want to ask you, Brother Amafika, if we didn't get a million, I'm just putting that out. I think we're going to get over a million when it's all said and done. But say you only got 100,000 willing and able. Do you think 100,000 willing and able people be able to shift what's going on with black folks? With our economics, with us doing for something. Yes. Brother Reggie, you just made my night. Uh, I don't know whether you saw it when you were watching the uh, news conference on Paris. You know I did. You know I did. You know I did. Okay. Well, somebody, if you recall, you know, asked something like that, and I pointed out to them uh, a quote from uh, Brother, it was my favorite motivational speaker, Brother Les, the Motivator Brown. Uh, Les Brown uh, said in one of his pieces that always aim for the moon because even if you fall short, you're going to land among the stars. When we aim for one million conscious black voters and contributors, let's say we fall short as you're speculating or, or, or asking for the illustration, the what if. Let's say we fall short and we only come up with a half a million or a quarter of a million or a hundred thousand. I've already done some research and I'm going to be presenting it at our uh, training and orientation down here next month. The largest black organization that comes anywhere close to being an advocate for black people is the nation of Islam. And the nation of Islam is also conceded to be perhaps the strongest black organization in the country. The number of members in the nation is estimated to be somewhere between 50 and 100,000. And most people say it's probably closer to 50. I don't know, but that's what they say. Now, if we were to fall short of our million and only 
come up with 100,000, we would be the largest black self-reliance, black self-determining organization in this country, bar none. And given the caliber of people that would comprise that 100,000, we would probably be the wealthiest self-advocating black organization. Or unquestionably, we would be the wealthiest because very few self-determinist organizations have any money. So we would be the only ones (laughs) with any money. And with the right kind of people who know how to send in the contributions when called upon to do so. We don't anticipate, for example, having a lot of bank accounts around because, as you know, you see what the people did, the United States did, for example, to the money that Gaddafi had on deposit in America's banks. You saw what they did to the uh, money that Iran has on deposit in American and other Western banks. They appropriate or confiscate the people's money. So even at our best, we don't anticipate having a whole bunch of money, even when we have a lot of money or have access to a lot of money because we have our numbers, we don't anticipate having big bank accounts. That's why it's so important for us to uh, emphasize to people that when called upon to do so, we need them to respond. So we're not going to have a bank account someplace that has, say, $10 million in it or $20 million in it or $50 million in it to bargain with some candidate in exchange for them to agree to the planks in our platform. When we have negotiated and come to an agreement, a written agreement with a particular candidate and or party, that's when we will turn to our folks and say, okay, y'all, we need $10 a piece, we need $15 a piece, we need $20 a piece. That's the way Mr. Garvey did it. Mr. Garvey didn't have banks that he could go to and borrow money to buy those ships or start those businesses or anything. He had to call upon his millions of members, and they would send in their, nick- in their cases nickels and and quarters and sell them a dollar because the people that uh, were members of that organization tended not to have dollars to give away or to donate or to to contribute. But he could call on them and they could send in that money and they would be able to pay cash for whatever it was that they were doing. And we have to use a similar approach until such time, at least, that we're on a scale and sophisticated enough where we can, in fact, take advantage of offshore places to deposit money, in which case we might then take some risk with it. But in the meantime, we have to travel light and be not only swift but quick on our feet. And you know there's a difference between speed and quickness. Well, I'm a figure. I want to thank you for being with us this evening. And uh, they hear it all the time on the program, but give out the information that uh, that uh, the people need to know. It's been my pleasure, brother. <laughs> no, no, you, no, you didn't hear the second part. I said they hear it all the time on the program. But I want you to give out the information that the people need to know as far as contact and things of that nature. Oh, okay, okay. Of course, our, our uh, website is www.iamoneofthemillion.com, and people can go to that site. And we encourage people, as I hear you brothers telling people every week, when you go to the site, don't just go there and, 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 and uh, spend a minute or two glancing at things superficially. Spend some time there studying and watching some of the videos. Read the articles. Read the black papers. Uh, uh, Study what you see and make sure you understand. 
jot down questions that you can contact us and ask us, well, what, why do you say this or why do you do that or why you do it this way as opposed to another way? We don't have a problem with that. Jim and, bo- uh, Jim and I both make ourselves available, and we have other people involved who are willing to do the same thing. So go to the website, www.iamoneofthemillion.com and study there and and, and get yourself comfortable with what you find. And if you agree with more than you disagree with, then you may want to consider joining and you can join. I'm pleased to report uh, on this program tonight for the first time since the, uh, since we had the news conference last week that we, our membership uh, registrations have uh, quadrupled uh, on a daily basis uh, since Jim was on, uh, well, Jim and I both were on uh, Dr. Rosie Milligan's program thir- uh, Tuesday last week. Mm-hmm. And then Jim, of course, was on Carl Nelson's program uh, Wednesday afternoon. And that really uh, primed the pump of people uh, registering. And then after the news conference, it uh, we got another bump. So if we keep on moving in the direction that we're going now, brothers, and we actually begin to uh, get a foothold in the public arena and begin to get some publicity about who we are, what we're doing, what we stand for, et cetera, et cetera, and what makes us different from all of these other folk, these other uh, usual suspect types of people, then there's no question in my mind that what is referred to on an online thing as something going viral will happen to us, and it is not beyond the realm of possibility that we can see a surge in memberships coming into this movement that we could actually get to or somewhere near that one million by the time the election season comes around in November. I want to thank you for being with us, Brother Amfika, and uh, be talking to you soon. Anytime. It's my pleasure, brothers. Y'all have a good evening. Peace. We'll be right back to wind up the program. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. The 
before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m., with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we wind up this evening's program, if you miss any of any portion of it, or even our first guest in the first hour, Miss Janet Truitt, Miss Janet Truitt, Chairwoman of the Delaware Association of African American Farmers, you can log on to timeforanawakening.com. That's timeforanawakening.com. Put it in your address bar. There you'll see uh, podcasts of the programs, past programs. You'll see other interesting articles. You'll see a link to uh, One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. And we'll be having uh, black products that we use every day on the site very soon. So uh, there'll be more exciting things happening on the site all the time. Just go to www. No, just skip to www. Just in your address bar on your computer. Put timeforanawakening.com and add it to your favorites. It's time for an awakening. dot com, brother Reg. Any last words for the listening audience? No, sir. When the uh, when as soon as we get off the uh, the line, the listening audience can go to I am one of the million. dot com. That's I am one of the million. dot com and look at the uh, the planks that we've been talking about this evening. Get in where you fit in. It's something that we all can do. Just like Dr. King says on the uh, segment of the speech that we play on the program, practical solutions that we can all do. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. A lively discussion, as always. And we'll be back next week, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school They seem to be Oh
Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.